Hey guys, Easton here. Real quick, today's free version of The Mike Herndon Show is a film room segment, which of course has a pretty serious video component. If you just want to listen via podcast, no problem, keep listening. But if you want to watch and see the film that we're breaking down, there's a link in the description of this podcast you can click to get to the free YouTube version of today's Mike Herndon Show. Enjoy. Welcome into the Mike Herndon Show, week 15. I am Mike Herndon, and I am joined, as usual, by Easton Breeze, director of published content for broadwaysportsmedia.com, wonderful website that brings you this show, as well as many other great other shows. So, right. other twice. Many know. other other shows and other other articles at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Mike, yes. how are you? How's your, how's your week been? Um, it's been are, otherworldly. Otherworldly. Are you, <laughs> are you ecstatic to dive into some of this uh, tape here at the top of the show. Talk about the, the fantastic Titans performance last week. You know, actually, it's one of those weeks where, like, I was very much dreading watching any of the tape because I was like, yeah, this is going to be gross. Depressing, um, yeah. And then it wasn't quite as bad as what I thought. I felt like, you know, just watching the game back, it was like one of those games where there were so many flashpoints that could have gone – one way or another, and it would yes. have been a huge swing, and all of them went against the Titans, every mm-hmm. single one of them. Yeah. But when you watch the game, and you're really just saying, all right, let's take away those those plays that just were like coin flip, you know, Roger McCreary, a ball slips through his hands and goes into a, another Jaguars hand for a touchdown, or, you know, Derrick Henry fumbling at the end of a run, which easily could have gone out of bounds, but the ball literally bounces directly into the hands of the I Jaguars. said that on the Hot Read podcast on Monday. There is a divine intervention there for the Jaguars, because if that guy's not standing right there, that ball is going out of bounds. It was like one of those deals like in Madden, like or at least the older versions of Madden, when a guy would be running and a ball would just like be vacuum sucked into his hands, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's exactly what that looked like. It bounced directly into his hands. He was standing like an inch from the sideline. So like uh-huh. if his foot is an inch further to the right and he's standing on the white, it doesn't matter. And the Titans Well, that's probably, a run that gets them down into the red zone, right? They're about to probably yeah. score and go up at half. Exactly. The Titans could have been up 21 to 13 at the half instead of being down, what did it end up being? 20 to 14. 20 to 14. And then, you know. So just Which like turned into twenty seven fourteen, and then it was kind of a disaster from there. Yeah, and then and then you have the stupid play call with with the direct snap to Derrick Henry that is fumbled and give them free points again. So like there were so many little bitty things that all all went the wrong direction for the Titans, and that's not to say that they played well or deserved to win the game, but it was a lot more even than what the final score would have suggested. And like anytime you turn the ball over four times you're going to lose the game and yes, like if you don't turn exactly. if you don't turn them over uh at all so that, that's what i said out on monday in our in our recap show that it, i i understand titans fans being generally depressed over losing three games in a row and suddenly the division race is a lot tighter than it should be that's fair however on this game in particular it, it wasn't it wasn't the eagles loss the week before where you just got beat down and there was nothing to feel good about That's not to say there was anything necessarily to feel great about in this game, but the two things that led to this game going the way that it did, which was the personnel situation on defense, which was a disaster, I'm sure we'll talk about. And then on offense, like you said, just turning the ball over four times, the number of teams that have 
lost the turnover battle by four and still won the game is like one in 196 all time. Like it doesn't, you can't, it doesn't matter how good you play. You turn the ball over four times, you're going to lose. After the game in the press box, I'm writing the article for Broadway Sports Media that I do after the game and like going down. I like to compare, you know, who was the better team today? A lot of professional gamblers do this where it's like, okay, you got the actual score, but how many yards did they gain? Yards per play, that that kind of thing. You know, how how successful were they in the red zone? How lucky did they get on third down, fourth down? And the stats were all almost identical, top yeah. to bottom, except yeah. for turnovers. And that's what exactly. decides the game, right? Like these two teams were evenly matched. The offenses produced relatively evenly throughout the entire game. Yeah. One team just couldn't secure the ball. Yep, exactly. And I mean, like, yeah, I tweeted out this. <laughs> After the game, I was like, my very complex analysis of this game is <laughs> yeah, I saw this. losing the turnover battle by four is bad. Yes. Teams that do that almost never win. You should not do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 67 and 1,344 is what teams are that lose the turnover battle by four. Hang on. So, say that again. 67 wins, 1,344 losses. So, <laughs> I made my number up. That one's even better. That's amazing. Yeah, it is very unlikely that you're going to win the game no matter how good you are if you turn the ball over like that. So, and look, I mean, like all the turnovers were different. I I felt like, uh, you know, well, Mike, by the way, the Jaguars scored 19 points as a direct result of their four turnovers and the Titans yeah. lost by 14. So, I mean, you can do the math there. Exactly. Exactly. Like if they just break even on the turnovers, it definitely feels like the Titans would have won that game. Uh, and I, they looked you know, like the better team for almost an entire half before yeah, things got out of hand score-wise. And much less like, having two turnovers. Right, exactly. Yeah, they they were threatening to lead going into the half with two turnovers. They went they touchdown, turnover, touchdown, turnover through their first four drives, and you're like, this is the better team, and it's only close because they can't hold on to the ball. And then exactly. things went south. Exactly. And, and, you know, I think this is a totally different game that we're talking about had – Derrick Henry not fumbled that second time because that was really the killer to me or that, that first, well, his first fumble, their second turnover. Right. Um, the one right before the half, because it was under two minutes. They were inside or like right on the edge of the red zone. And a 21 yard line. And really it was, I mean, it was immediately after that, that the Jaguars come down the field, they get the touchdown. Was that the, that was the drive where McCreary had the ball go through his hand as well was, or was that the, no, it was the, that? it was the second half of the double dip. The first oh, half. Okay. Yeah. 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 So they, they drive down the field immediately score the touchdown and, and it just totally swings how you feel about that first half. Um, and, and, you know, chances are the Titans either at minimum, run the ball down, run the clock down and end up kicking a field goal to go up, uh, you know, whatever it would have been. It was, it was that pass to Zay Jones where they initially ruled him with a toe out of bounds, but it was barely in on the replay. I gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, it's infuriating when you see stuff like that happen uh, over and over and over again. And that was one of those games where like, it just turned into an avalanche going downhill because they get the double dip on either side of the half and that, that just totally blows the game open. And then all of a sudden the Titans are kind of in desperation mode, like immediately. And that's not. Well, Todd Downing talked about that today in his press conference about how if, yeah. if they score, you know, if they score in three minutes at the top of the second half, you're down two scores, but you're still sitting there thinking I have an entire two quarters still to play. Like it's not panic time. What was killer about the second half of the double dip was that drive took, I think like six or seven minutes and the yeah. Titans got the ball back for the first time, 
halfway through the third quarter down two scores. And then from there, they had to essentially be in two minute the rest of the game. Exactly. Yeah, it was just one of those things that, you know, you don't want to like totally dismiss it because it's a that is I mean, how you lose football games. No, yeah, it's, a, like, it's a bad result. And, and this is and this isn't like this happened to them a lot last year. Like when they lost games last yes. year, it was yes. almost exclusively like this where they would have these turnover, you know, these two, three, four turnover differential games where they were on the wrong side of it. And they, I think they were like one in four in those games. So almost all of their losses were accounted for by games where they just got destroyed in the turnover battle. It was that Um, middle to late part of the year. Like when they went to new England and ran without Derrick Henry for like 250 yards, but lost the turnover battle by two or three and still lost the game. And I, I had a tweet that sparked a memory that I tweeted out something almost identical to what you tweeted this past week. That was like my, my, High-level analysis is as long as the Titans continue to lose the turnover battle by two or more, they will continue to lose games. And, like, that that was how it was going. I think they were, like, they had lost the turnover battle, like, two two to ten on a five-week span, and it was a disaster. Yeah, and, and that's – like, this this team, I mean, they haven't caused a turnover since um, – which, which game was the last one? Was it the – was it Kansas City? Did they turn them over? And, oh, oh, yeah. They, McCreary had the interception with, right. with Kansas City. So, yeah, that was the last one. Um, and, yeah, that's a problem. And it goes back to pressure. And, and it's no coincidence that the turnovers disappeared uh, the same time that the pressure uh, that the Titans were able to generate up front disappeared because that is what ultimately creates turnovers is pressure. And, and the Titans had gone seven straight games creating a turnover – prior to uh, this recent dry spell, which coincides with them, you know, basically going one and three in this, this losing streak. Um, So it kind of is a simple game at some point that you have to get back to getting pressure on the quarterback on defense. They're still stopping the run relatively well. I mean, I mean, Jacksonville ran for 60 yards uh, in this game. The previous week, the Eagles only ran for 67 Um, it it is, they're not giving up much on the ground. When teams are Um, respecting it too, you can tell that teams aren't really trying to run on this Titans defensive front. Yeah. Teams don't really try to run it, but you know, teams are able to throw all over them right now because they have all day and they've got like, I mean, it it was a bad secondary out there. Um, and you know, I feel like the secondary that made Evan Ingram look like Travis Kelsey, that one. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, some of it is, well, I'll, we'll get into this in the film section, but Kevin Byard uh, did not have a very good day against Evan Ingram. But they also, there's also stuff where I, I feel like uh, Andrew Adams, Dylan Cole, Mario Edwards Jr., um, what are some of the other? Terrence Mitchell, all of these guys had spells at the beginning of their time in Tennessee where they were like, oh, wow, these guys are actually playing pretty well. Yep. But the problem is when you have these guys and they're plugged in and they do some stuff for you is eventually like they're not that talented. And once they have tape them on out, exactly. like, there is tape on these guys now. And, yep. and instead of, hey, we don't really know what this Andrew Adams guy is, how they're going to use them, anything like that. Teams know exactly who Andrew Adams is now and how mm-hmm. they're going to use them and what his weaknesses are. And they're able to target those weaknesses and you saw them try to isolate Andrew Adams specifically against Evan Ingram 
uh, in coverage as much as possible. And he cooked him. Uh, he cooked Byer too. And it, like Evan Ingram is one of the tougher covers as a tight end in the league. And frankly, if the Titans had more healthy cornerbacks, I think the wise move would have been to treat him like a wide receiver and play someone like Lonnie Johnson, which, you know, we'll talk a little bit about possibly coming off IR later. Um, put someone uh, like David Long being him. in this game, even, even he would have changed the outcome with Evan Ingram. For he sure. would have helped a lot. Cause that's the other thing you've got Dylan Cole and Monty Rice in there playing at inside linebacker. Neither one of those guys can cover, you know, at, at all. Like that's, that's the biggest hole in both of their games. And David Long brings David Long fills that hole. Like, and even Zach Cunningham is better. Like Zach Cunningham's not a good coverage linebacker, but he's better than Monty Rice is. He's better than Dylan. I was about Cole to say is. Dylan Cole and Monty Rice are just the Walmart version of Cunningham. They're not meant exactly. to be the the one for one with Long. They don't have a one for one with Long. And so when he's yeah. gone, they're they remain a very good run defense. And suddenly their pass defense in the middle of the field there is non-existent. Yeah, it's it's bad. And and because the other guys that you're trying to plug in around there are like Andrew Adams and Josh Kalu and like these guys that again not NFL starters. They just aren't. And it's, you can only paper over stuff for so long before it starts to fall apart, right? Like these are all temporary band-aids, not permanent solutions. This is, these are the guys driving down the interstate with a trash bag taped over their window. Like that works. It works. It gets you from A to B, but you don't want to daily commute with a trash bag over your window. Cause eventually it's going to fall no. apart. Right? Like, yeah, that is what this is. And when you don't want to, maybe you don't want to keep your lap. You may not want to keep your laptop and valuables in your backseat of the car with the, uh, <laughs> like when you're defending something valuable, like a significant lead in the AFC South, maybe don't try to paper it over in a very important game with a plastic bag over your window. Yeah. If you're driving to the auto store, like to the, to the mechanic shop to get your window fixed, that's fine. If you're driving across the country, maybe no you don't go. want to do that, you know? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, the Titans currently driving way too many miles on a trash bag window right now. Yeah, that is that's the analysis you get from the Mike Herndon show that I know you're not getting anywhere else in the national media market. All right, we have we have vamped for 15 minutes now and not even gotten into the film. Let's talk about some of the things that you saw this week when you went back and watched some film. We got to start with the um, funniest segment that we have today, which is the Dennis Daily Comedy Hour. Everybody, welcome in. We've got four clips here. Um, where Dennis Daly is in different, unique, and impressive ways um, made to be very foolish. So let's, I, I, I don't even know which one to pick. First, let's just start with this first one. It's a blown stunt pickup on his part. And uh, talk us through what goes wrong here for Double D on the left-hand side, or the yeah, right-hand so side that we're watching here. This is that, uh, I believe it's the either the first or the second drive. Um after the half and I, I think it's the second drive after the half here because uh the titans get a first down sack here um they're trying to come out be aggressive throw the ball um and you know jaguars run this stunt and it's it's this left side of the line that is just consistently a problem and it's mostly daily but brewer is not a huge help either and and he is part of the problem here you know He's at least trying to pass this stunt off aggressively. He probably is a little bit too aggressive, but he tries to help Daly as much as he can kind of get a hold of Arden Key here, and Daly still manages to lose uh, leverage against against a guy that's much smaller. Like, Arden Key is much, much smaller than Dennis Daly. Like, he should not be 
getting bullied around like this by by a guy key size who's you know he goes about 250 pounds and daily's like 310 uh so i it it just you know continues to be a problem with dennis daly over on that side and and it's both of them to some degree though like brewer and i've been a proponent of brewer to a large degree staying in the lineup this year because while he's never been really a great pass protector, he's always helped in the run game. And, and he did in this game too. Like he's still a pretty good run blocker. Um, but the pass protection issues are not getting better. I thought they would get better uh, as time goes on. And it's well, and Mike, we talked not. about this earlier in the season. The idea was you'd have a serviceable left tackle in Taylor Lewan who could handle the pass protection island that they were going to put him on most of the time. Yeah. And that's going to make a guy – like Brewer, serviceable at that guard position. But when he's having to be the better of the two players on that left-hand side, it's not It's not going to work. Yeah, it, it's, it, yeah it, it may have been a totally different season for Brewer if, if he had Lawan next to him just because of the influence. I think it would have. Didn't, you, put out, didn't you tweet out some stats on Lawan earlier today or oh, yesterday? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah Dennis well Daly, I think he had given up, uh, I think the number is seven sacks in the past yeah. four games now. Um, and he's leading the NFL on virtually any pass rush allowed standpoint. All so like the most, bad statistics. Most sacks given up. I think he's about to set like Pressure's the PFF error record for uh, like sacks per pass rush snap. Uh, so like one per nine or something. Yeah, it, it is a crazy rate that he gives up. But Lawan, by a comparison, so like seven sacks in four games for Daly. God knows how many pressures. I mean, I, I would get, venture to guess probably, you know, 20-something. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor Lewan in his past five games, you know, going back to the end of last season, counting not counting the Bills game because obviously he only played one snap in that game. Uh, but the Giants game, uh, the Bengals playoff game, and then the last three regular season games that he appeared in uh, last season, he allowed two pressures total in those five games, zero sacks, just two pressures, and that is with a, no help. They gave None. him zero help because they were protecting Questenberry all the time last year, and and he was kind of the Dennis Daly of last year's team. Um, but it, well, really, I, that's probably mean to Questenberry. He's he was better than that. That's right. But, You're right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he was still the weak link, and so they were constantly helping on that side. They were always like. Um, you know, no flags film. Our friend uh, James Foster yeah. tweeted out has tweeted out this. You know, all of Lawan's true pass set reps from like the last quarter of the season last year. And if yeah. you look at them, almost all of them, virtually all of them, it's a, a slide protection where they are leaving Lawan on an island and they are sliding everything else away from Lawan, which basically means, hey, we trust Lawan to block his guy one on one with zero help whatsoever in a lot of space. And we're going to wad everything up on the other side and hope it sticks. Um, and that's how they were blocking guys last year with Luan. They don't do that with Dennis Daly. They they help him a ton and that they leave their rookie third round right tackle exposed a lot of times uh, because they're so busy helping Daly. And the help isn't even working. Like no. all these numbers we're talking about, this is with a tremendous amount of chip help. They give him chip help on almost every true drop back. How about wide receiver LaRaven Clark playing five or six snaps? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest with you, there were some snaps in there. I, I was like, let me watch LaRaven Clark and see how he's looking as I was gonna uh, ask you about uh, this. third tackle. Yeah. Not good. They're like he had, um, I think he had, yeah, it was only like four snaps, but one of them, 
he gives a pretty pitiful effort on the backside of a run and actually helps get Derrick Henry tackled for a loss. So, oh, um, yeah, so not, not great. Uh, you know, first returns from LaRaven Clark snaps. And again, I have been a proponent of try something else, try anything else all season. Yep. But I also don't think this coaching staff is dumb. And to me, the fact that they're still playing Dennis Daly tells me that LaRaven Clark looks terrible in practice. Uh, now you could say, hey, go sign some other tackle. Go sign Eric Fisher. Go sign whoever else. Uh, you know, Eric Flowers, who cares? Like anybody else and try them. I agree with that too. I agree with trying Dylan Radens over there too. But I do so think Dylan that, Radins, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he is uh definitely made it known that he is willing and able to try left tackle. Um, although it, it sounds to me like that's a Keith Carter thing, uh, yes. that he thinks he is not a tackle and that is why he does not get reps there. Um, so until that changes, it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen unless Brable overrules him somehow. Um, but God, it, it's so bad with daily and it's, it sabotages the offense to a huge degree when they get into these spots where they have to drop back and pass. Um, and here, like, this is a touchdown pass. This is, this is a touchdown to Chig. Um, and he came very close to getting, uh, you know, the second touchdown that, that I had. Uh, uh, it was so frustrating. He came week. so close. Um, but he gets this touchdown early. But even on the touchdown, Daly is getting absolutely worked uh, off the edge and gets Tannehill destroyed. Um, and this isn't Josh Allen. This isn't Trevon Walker. This is some guy uh back up for the Jaguars who's just working Dennis Daly and putting him on the ground um it, like this is one of the very few times that they actually did not help uh Daly in this game and and he quickly shows them why they have to help him um so it's just infuriating to watch this stuff over and over yeah, that's again. that's defensive lineman Adam Gotsis Gotsis, yeah, the, the perennial pro bowler Adam Gotsis over there <laughs> uh it, as I said, you know, whenever Von Miller, uh, you know, and they have that pass rush summit every year where all the best pass rushers get together, they should like buy Dennis Daly a gold watch or, or ATV or something, or at least buy, invite him out to the dinner because he's like, he's getting all these defensive ends paid right now. Like everybody, True. like Trevon Walker has like career game. And by the way, here, here it is. This is uh, Daly failing to lay a single finger on Trevon Walker despite chip help. From Chickaconquo, <laughs> like this is so bad. It is so bad. Um, and look, and I, at first, I'll admit, I I thought maybe Chig made a mistake in letting Walker get outside of him on this chip. But looking at how he's lined up and and just the spacing, unless they wanted Chig to actually move out to be able to, chip it's impossible him inside, for him not to be on the outside of him. There's no way he was going to be able to chip him inside. So. Seeing that alignment, and I, I understand Daly is trying not to get beat inside, but like By I who? have a lot of time to recover here, and he just is so lackadaisical to get any sort of depth, and then suddenly acts like he's surprised. He's so unathletic, frankly. Yeah, it's just this like late, lazy lunge. Uh, and he, like I said, does not even get a finger on him, like he misses him altogether. Uh, and Trevon Walker crushes Tannehill, strip sack, you know, and and kind of starts. Uh, I mean, and this was, you know, the Titans had already gone up seven to nothing. They had marched down the field the first time. Uh, and then this immediately put the Jaguars back in the game. Like, you know, the, the Titans had a chance to go down and, and really start to put them in a hole here. 
um, and immediately get get destroyed. And then again, like even in the run game here again, 95 just destroys daily, walks right around, gets the tackle for loss. Um, it, it's bad. Like it's, it's bad all, all the time. And I like hate to harp on one guy this much because I think sometimes like I do see like certain guys like Jeff Swaim sometimes gets targeted in a way that like is probably over the top. Like Jeff Swaim isn't great. He isn't really good. Um, but he's not like not an NFL player. Like he, he is a decent enough blocking tight end. Um, and that's really what he is. He doesn't do anything for you in the past game. Um, but daily deserves it. Like whatever, whatever the way people talk about daily is well-deserved because he is terrible. He is the worst tackle that I've ever seen consistently play this long because like even when Will Spitek and, and guys like that were in there, Byron Bell uh, were in there for the Titans, like they were in there for short periods of time for the most part, they weren't playing consistently for whatever, what is he on 12 straight games now? Uh, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just, it's been bad from the very jump. It was bad when he came in for him in the, against the bills. It's been bad ever since. So, and it's not getting better. It, it is what it is. So I I think he's always going to limit what this team can really be as a drop back passing team. Now they're all, they're obviously compounding issues with the wide receiver set that they've had available. And like, you know, Robert Woods is who he is. Uh, you know, the NWI is who he is. Like these guys cannot beat man coverage. We've said it all year. There's actually, uh, I tweet, retweeted some uh, stats that, that were out as far as like EPA per play versus different coverages for different teams this uh, today. And the Titans predictably, like all of Ryan Tannehill's negative EPA per play coverages are basically man, man coverages. Yes. Um, and then all of his positive ones are zone coverage. So if you play zone against the Titans, they can do some stuff to you. I mean, they 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 can definitely hurt you because so why would you, Mike? Why Woods would you and NWI that? have good feel for zone coverage, but they mm-hmm. cannot separate for anything. And honestly, I kind of wish I'd I'd clipped it now, but the flea flicker was kind of hilarious yes. uh, on the first play of the game because NWI wins initially. Like he he definitely gets on top of I think it was Tyson Campbell. Um, but in like Tyson Campbell's fooled because, you know, he, he thinks he's blocking and WI kind of reaches out, put his, to put his hands out to block him and then pulls his hands down and runs by and he gets a step on him, but Campbell just closes the gap so fast. I mean, it, it just disappears and you just see the lack of foot speed and the lack of ability to really pull away, um, that, that NWI has. And like, like these guys are limited athletes. They need Burks desperately, like desperately. And I, you know, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to get him this week. Um, but God, is he like, he's the most important player on this offense to me outside of probably Tannehill um, because he's the only one that can do anything against man coverage that they've got. And if you don't have him, teams just have no, no problem. Just loading up the box, stop Derrick Henry, press up and on, on the outside receivers, and eat eat everybody's lunch, um, basically, because there's nothing the Titans can do about it. Honestly, I, I kind of felt like Racy McMass showed <laughs> some flash of ability to, to get behind the defense. Now he didn't 
you know, make any catches uh, in this game, but he was at least behind the defense and threatening. Um, so it'd be kind of interesting to see what Burks and McMath would look like together on the field at the same time, if we could ever be so lucky as to, uh, to get that opportunity. Uh, Not sure that's watch. a parlay we're going to hit. Yeah. 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 You never know. It, it would be really difficult to get two healthy receivers on the field at the same time. Yes. Yeah. It's just not the Titans way. Well, speaking of Ryan Tannehill, this is the clip from his interception in the game. You wanted to break down maybe just went wrong. What just, just what went wrong? There we go. That's the right combination of words. Uh, it seemed in the moment, based on the reaction from Tannehill and NWI, who was the target, that it was just a matter of miscommunication. But what do you think that they saw here? What do you think went wrong? Yeah, definitely, definitely is a miscommunication. Now, I, I, what I was trying to look at is trying to figure out what NWI saw versus what Tannehill saw. And and I think Tannehill was expecting NWI to sit this thing down because if you look like initially, I think that's uh, Josh Allen, 44, the outside linebacker is lined up over 10 or over NWI and the safeties lined up a good bit off the ball. Um, and I think when that linebacker walks down and is clearly coming, I think Tannehill expected him to convert that because of the off coverage and, you know, just, just run like, you know, five yards and stop. Uh, and he was going to put the ball on him. And I think that's probably what went wrong here is he's thinking he's going to convert it. NWI for whatever reason, either forgets that he needs to convert that or isn't on the same page somehow. Um, and, you know, basically it looks like he's trying to run a post or something. I'd like say that, he's headed to the center of the field, which, you know, is not what you would want to do against, uh, um, you know, a, basically a middle of the field closed look with that single high safety, uh, that post safety sitting there waiting in the middle. So I'm assuming Tannehill was right here just because, you know, one Tannehill is the guy who would know more than anybody on the offense typically. Um, and then two, based on the, the actual coverage, look, it makes way more sense for them to just want to sit that down and hit it quick against a safety who's playing off rather than him try to run to the post against a post safety. So um, I think this one's on NWI. I'm fairly certain that it is, but just wanted to kind of show that because that is one of the things like I, I harp on this, I feel like, but playing wide receiver at the NFL level is such a hard thing mentally because it is so much different than like high school or college in that, you know, in, in college or, or certainly in high school, a play is called and you have a route. Like you, you know, on this play, I run a five yard out or I run a seven yard hitch or, you know, whatever you have your route, you run it regardless of what happens in the NFL, almost or most passing concepts have some sort of, trigger uh or a lot of passing concepts do anyways that if you see this look you need to convert this route whether it's all right you've got a post but if there's a middle of the field safety you need to convert that to uh you know an over route or a dig or, or whatever um but there are so many things so many instances where receivers are either asked to analyze leverage and be on the same page as their as their quarterback and adjust the route or adjust adjust what they're doing at all on a play based on leverage, positioning of their corner, things like that, which I think is probably what went wrong here. 
or as the the play develops, if if they have a cover, if they're showing cover too, because most of the time NFL teams don't just line up and show you what they're running. Um, you know, they're going to rotate and change and and move guys around post snap to try to confuse you. Uh, assuming they rotate, you have to convert in real time your route while trying to separate from an NFL level cornerback. Um, and running your route and keeping up with everything that's going on. So you have to be able to read the defense, be on the same page as your quarterback, run your route, still get separation and still remember to be able to catch the ball by the time it gets there. There's a lot of mental processing that goes into playing receiver at the NFL level. And like that is, I think one of the most underappreciated facts of NFL football uh, for like just the, you know, the everyday viewer who isn't really into you know, the X's and O's and things like that. I, I think a lot of times people are like, well, well, he's big and fast. Why can't he play wide receiver? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a ton that goes into it. Like Taewon Taylor had all the physical skills in the world. Well, besides, you know, he was a body catcher. Um, but I think that his biggest problem was that he struggled mentally to be on the same page as a the quarterback. There was a lot of busted routes, busted coverages, just instances where they weren't on the same page. And it's a guy can be, phenomenal in college because he's just faster than everyone else and can make plays and then go to the NFL. And yeah, he's, he still may be faster. Um, but if he can't do all the other things, it's, it's really not functional at that point. So yeah, it's something get, I wanted to comment on. Yeah, absolutely. We can stay on the offensive side of the ball here. We've got a handful of pretty good runs from the Derrick Henry, of course, in the running game in the first half, when things were going well, Derrick Henry finished the first half with over a hundred yards and a touchdown Things looked like they were getting back into shape. We can just ignore the fact that he had, what, four carries for two yards or something in the second half. Um, But in the first half, things looked like a little bit of a return to form for the run game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I thought it was a little interesting that Jacksonville wasn't quite as aggressive with some of their fronts uh, that as other teams were um, in recent weeks that I, I felt like was working against the Titans. So the Jag- Jaguars helped them a little bit here by not doing some of that stuff that we we've talked about on previous shows here. Um, but the Titans did, I mean, they, they were blocking things up relatively well. Henry still looked like he was running with good power um, and, and running through arm tackles and things like that. This was a good run just showing kind of the backside cut. Uh, you know, I felt like on this run specifically, um in mpf does a really nice job getting that reach block on the backside three technique um nate davis does a good job climbing to the next level and then of course you know you get the push and everything and this was when the titans seemed to be kind of feeling themselves and they were into the game and and you kind of felt There's like nothing oh, nissan stadium fans love more than this this scrum push the titans have done a couple of times this year exactly yeah people go nuts for that stuff and i mean this was at this point in the game, it felt like the Titans were like, all right, they're going to break the Jaguars again, and, mm-hmm. and this is going to turn into a Henry, you know, 200-yarder, and, and you know, the, they're going to steamroll once again. Um, obviously, it didn't play out that way, but there was some good stuff early on. And that back side, like that right side of the offensive line, I do feel like is promising. Uh, I think it's the future of this team. Yeah, I agree. I, I think – You've got to bring back Nate Davis to me. Um, And I do think Nicholas petit Frere has shown enough that I think he is the right tackle uh, here for the next three years, at least, you know, obviously finishing out this year and then the the next three of his rookie contract. Um, But 
you know, they they did a good job on that side. Here, you know, again, Nicholas P. Ferg gets really good movement off the ball. Like he is moving the line of scrimmage, getting push. Um, and you know, Nate Davis, you know, this is a really good backside block from Aaron Brewer. Again, like I know Brewer has his issues, but as a run blocker, especially on plays like this where he's allowed to climb to a linebacker, really, really good at that. Like that's really his game. Um and I understand the Titans' kind of fascination with that, especially given the the scheme that they run, uh, what they do, um, who they want to be. But, you know, there are so many other holes in his game that kind of sabotage what that value is. Um, but you can still appreciate for, for what it is. When, when he has, you know, good plays, it's worth pointing them out. But Yeah, one more good Henry run here. I believe this was his longest run of the game. This is the 50-yarder from the first half. Yeah, and this was a, a nice little power concept, pulling Nate Davis around, and and you actually do get a good Dennis Daly block here, getting hey up now. to the second level. Really um, yeah, and and but probably my favorite block, and you can barely see it, but I love this view just because of the the violence that you see. Nicholas or Nick Westbrook Akine absolutely cleans out. Uh, I think it's a corner or somebody <laughs> up from the right side and ended right up here, taking yeah. out a couple players. So watch from the right side, like right here. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I mean, that's one of on those that. vicious blocks uh, that you'll see from a wide receiver in NWS really good at that. So, um, but this is, again, like this is really well blocked. Brewer does a nice job blocking down, like everything, everything works here. Uh, and you get Henry into the open field doing his thing. So, the Titans definitely like there was some good things that happened in this game. And I thought the run game kind of getting back on track was the biggest. I mean, cause the, this team is going nowhere without being able to run the football. It's just, it is, it's a fact of the matter. It is what it is that that is how they are built. Um, and they have to have Derrick Henry being productive to be successful um, at least at a high level. And, there was hints in this game that that could happen again. Now the second half, it totally went away. And part of that is the game script got totally out of hand. Part of that is one of the drives starts with a, a you know, crack black crack back block on uh, Jeff Swaim that was called and put them mm-hmm. way behind the sticks. Um, you know, and they just were never able to get into a flow. Um, it was three and out, three and out, and then fumble snap one and out for their first three drives. And then suddenly they were down, you know, 36 to 14. And it was just, you know, you, you're throwing to catch up at that point. So um, they got away from the run game and, and I, it's understandable how it happened. Just looking at the, the actual sequence of, of how things worked out um, because it was, yeah, it was first down penalty first and 22 run for no gain yeah. sack uh or no no not it wasn't a site it was uh i think incomplete pass and then mm-hmm. the screen to chig that lost yardage uh and then it was the next drive was sack on first down and then you know they're behind the sticks automatically and so they're trying to throw it throw their way out of it um and end up punting and then the next next drive is the fumbled snap to henry so i understand how it happened it still sucks um because i, I think henry could have had a a big game and frankly my fantasy team needed that so uh (laughs) (laughs) that's what this is all about really really this all comes back to my fantasy team here. right well uh, we got four more clips here that are going to be pretty sobering for titans fans as we mentioned earlier evan ingram his biggest game i I haven't looked but i'm guessing in his career 
Um, he went for, let's see, 15 targets, 11 receptions, 162 yards. That's good for almost 15 yards a catch and two touchdowns. I think he had like 40 fantasy points, speaking of fantasy. So if you happen to be playing Evan Ingram last week, tough break for you. Here are four clips of him cooking up the Titans' defensive uh, backfield and, and things really all day long were a disaster back there, but Ingram was the one who exposed them more than anybody else. Yeah, and this this one was probably his easiest one of the day, and I, I wanted to show this because I know Bud Dupree mentioned it in the locker room about, yep. uh, you know, he blew a couple coverages. This is one of them. Uh, and this one's unfortunate, too, because if you look, the Titans bring a delayed pressure and totally get Joe Schobert free and clear on Trevor Lawrence. Yep. If he has to squeeze this ball for one second, like if, if Dupree is in the flat, which nobody else is really open, um, if Dupree is in the flat where he's supposed to be, then this may be a sack and this puts them in third and long and probably takes what ended up being a touchdown drive and making it a punt um, most likely. So yep. uh, again, like these flashpoints of what happened in this game that swung it so violently in the favor of the Jaguars, you can't have a guy blowing a coverage like that you know, so drastically that you, you get an easy completion when a blitz would have actually gotten home. Like the one time they had a chance to actually lay a hand on Trevor Lawrence in this game, they, they, you know, get it negated by a blown coverage. Um, Here's looking fired. Yeah. This one is more just straight up uh, Ingram beating Byard. He's lined up in the slot closest to uh, the midfield logo there. And he just runs this little whip route. Uh, and, and Bayard just has no chance. Like he's overplaying to the inside, um, and just overruns this thing. And it's just, you know, Ingram's a good athlete. He's a really good athlete. He's more of a, like, like I said before, he's more of a wide receiver than he is a tight end. Uh, and the Titans treated him as, as more of a tight end. And I think that's a mistake. Um, but you generally like Bayard as a matchup against tight ends and, um, you know, he just wasn't up to it. I mean, he, he just was not up to covering Evan Ingram in this game. And and Byard's not – his game is not athleticism. He is a – when he is good in coverage, it's usually because he's able to be really physical uh, at the line of scrimmage. And, again, here, like, I mean, this, this play is one at the line of scrimmage. They are in man coverage. This is a good man-beater route. Like, they are fired on his, as well dragging him against the line of scrimmage, you know, trying to rub Byard off, which they obviously are able to do. But it is helped by the fact that on his first step, Ingram is able to create like five yards of separation immediately. Yeah. So Byard has no chance. You know, the, the inside linebackers, Rice and Cole, again, we talked about their lack of awareness as far as coverage goes. Rice kind of gets caught up in the wash here again, which again is the design of the play. Like this Cole is very helpfully pointing out that somebody should be following Evan Ingram right here. Yeah, Dylan Cole's like, hey, someone should hey, cover that guy. That not way. me. Not me, but someone else. <laughs> and he uh, runs in the opposite direction. Yeah. Uh, so and like, I mean, it's it's a good design. Like, this is a mesh concept. They caught the Titans in man against mesh. But you know, again, you're playing like all these guys, all these replacement guys in there. The communication is not going to be as good. The ability to like you know, when Dylan Cole points and yells, hey, someone cover him over there. You know, it's, yeah. it's just not as, as easy to pick up uh, when you've got a ton of backups out there. Here's our final clip. It is Evan Ingram against, I believe, Andrew Adams for his second touchdown of the day. Yeah, and this, this is where, you know, we were just talking about Andrew Adams and kind of like what his strengths and weaknesses are. Like, 
you don't want him in this situation where he is having to cover Evan Ingram one-on-one, which is effectively what the Jaguars isolate them into. Now, his coverage actually is not bad on this. No, play. he's tight. He's just not physical enough. He's in he's in good position, but you know, Ingram just has much better ball skills than Andrew Adams, and he's able to go up and make a play. And and Adams does not have the instincts in man coverage because this is not a what he's done for most of his career. Uh, to be able to go up and and either play through the ball or you know turn around and and make a play on the ball, so it's just a bad matchup. And and Ingram was great in this game. This is a phenomenal catch. Like I don't think we should great pass as well. Uh, yeah, great great pass from Trevor Lawrence who played great in this game. He was incredible, you know, just accurate all day. Made the right decisions. Like that offense just hummed uh, for for the vast majority of that game. So. Uh, look, it, it, it's a bad matchup in a lot of ways um, for the Titans with with Ingram specifically, just because they don't really have anybody with that kind of athleticism. I, you know, I'm surprised they didn't try more Amani Hooker on him, but uh, you know, they kind of like Amani Hooker as that post safety um, best out of all all of their safeties right now. So, um, and they were also having to play Hooker in the slot some because you know they've got no slot corners so um it's just a bad situation all around because all these injuries are stretched so thin you know you basically got McCreary Byard and Hooker out there that are really like NFL level starters um and McCreary's still a rookie um and shows it at times um although I think he generally you know played pretty well should have caught that interception that he tipped right into Zay, Zay Jones's hands uh, which Tough was look for old T-Rex play. arms on that one. Yeah, yeah, and and the crazy thing is on the on the uh, end zone replay angle, I'm pretty sure he touched that ball, and the so ball too. slightly deflected, and Zay Jones still was able to catch mm-hmm. it, which is crazy. Um, and again, like one of those, like, hey, nine times out of ten, if you actually deflect the ball right there, it, there's no way the guy's gonna catch it. Um, but here he does, especially like running out of the end zone, like barely gets his feet in, all this. So. One of those days, everything that could go the Jaguars' way did. Um, but yep. hey, the Titans—the Titans have to take responsibility for what their part was in allowing that to happen. Because when you put the ball on the ground, when you have Dennis Daly not laying a finger on edge rushers, those things can happen. So um, yeah, it's one of those games. I honestly, felt a little bit better <laughs> coming out of this game than I did, uh, you know, really last week. Um, you know, coming off that Eagles game, but obviously it was a bad loss because it significantly delays their ability to win this division and and potentially rest some guys and get try to get focus on getting healthy for uh, a playoff game. So now they're they're in a spot where they really need to win two of three at the very least, uh, to, in my opinion, to to make to get to a point where Week 18 is not a AFC right. South championship game. That is what you need to avoid because. The Jaguars have shown that, you know, they're not ready right now. Like, they're not – they haven't arrived no, uh, they're as close. a team. But they're close, and they're good enough that if you go play them in Jacksonville with some real stakes on the line, it would be very, very difficult, I think, in my opinion, to see the Titans getting out of that one with a win, especially because that would mean they, they're still reeling at that point because they've probably lost, you know, two of three or three of three, you know, over the next few weeks. So, yep. it, it's going to be an interesting uh, – this, I mean, this game coming up, which we'll talk about here in a minute uh, against the Chargers, is huge for the Titans now. They, they need to find a way to, to stop the bleeding and get a win uh, and, and kind of 
stabilize the ship here a little bit as we head down the stretch. Well, hey, like you said, we have plenty to talk about for this week's Titans game in L.A. facing the Chargers in SoFi Stadium. But that concludes our film room portion of the show today. If you are listening to the show or watching the show with us today for free on YouTube or via podcast, this is the end of the road for you unless you go over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. You go to become a Broadway insider and you get a subscription to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Become a Broadway insider. It's just 99 cents for your first month when you use code insider or you get 40% off the annual rate, $49.99 for your first year when you use code annual. Now, what do you get? You get the full video version of the Mike Herndon show, which you can watch the rest of right now if you go and become a subscriber and then go to the Mike Herndon show article on the page. It'll take you to a private YouTube link. You can watch the rest of the show there. It's fantastic. we got a ton to cover. We're only halfway through here. We've got a discussion around what Mike wrote over at paulkaharski.com this week, looking into what this team could look like in the future, kind of revolving around the new GM hire that's impending for this team in the offseason, looking at what 2023 could have in store for the Tennessee Titans. Also going to talk about the IR situation for the Tennessee Titans, their injury situation, certainly a lengthy one right now. And with limited IR return availabilities uh, this year, each team only gets eight, and the Titans have already used up six of theirs. Today they decided to activate what could be their seventh, and that makes things interesting for who they may or may not bring back. We're going to have a discussion about that. And finally, we're going to talk about the Titans and the Chargers this week, which is a big, big game for both teams involved. Frankly, playoff implications for the Chargers and the Titans in what should be an interesting one. All of that, plus the Moneymaker Mike segment, where we go through our bets, making you a refund on your subscription to get this show and other things at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We also have the the, uh, Mike Drop segment at the very end of the show, which is always very fun. Mike gives us his hottest take of the week last week. It was that Chig would get two touchdowns against the Jaguars, and it came so close to being true and making a lot of people money on props, I think, myself included. Um, so that's always an exciting and fun one to end the day on. Also, with the Broadway Insider membership, you get access to all of our premium articles written by our guys over at Speedway Soccer. Yours truly, Zach, uh, Zach Lyons and Justin Mello, among others. You also get early access articles to things like terrible Twitter takes, that Rob on Broadway, Rob Greenlaw, puts together for us each week, which is always hilarious. You can get access to that a day early. There's so much great stuff you can get if you become an insider. Again, today, just $0.99 for your first month when you use code INSIDER or $49.99 for your first year when you use code ANNUAL when you check out with a Broadway Insider membership. Until then, we will talk to you next week. 